We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Roseanne was a successful C-suite executive and ministry leader in her church. She was a working mom of four and a social drinker. Over the years, life stresses and a difficult marriage created an environment where her alcohol usage increased significantly. After the collapse of her marriage, her drinking further escalated and she felt like a fraud with God and the church. AA was not really an option for her and she already had felt like she had surrendered her life over to her higher power, her her God, and she didn't want to call herself an alcoholic. So she didn't quite know what to do. And then COVID-19 hit, and that really unraveled a lot of things for her that led her on a path for further inquiry and learning how to find peace and freedom from alcohol. Roseanne also has been a participant in the very first Finding Peace retreat that we ever did, and that's part of where I met her. We'll learn more about her in this episode of the Finding Peace podcast. Hello, Roseanne. It's been a while since I've seen you. It has. Hi, Trey. I'm glad it's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> right? <laughs> that means I did a good job. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's what have you been up to since the last time I saw you? Oh, gosh. I've been on quite the journey. I, uh, I have um, just continued to put best practices in and transforming and making sure that my life is going in the direction that I wanted it to go in. I just, uh, four days ago, (laughs) published my first book to help people um, put alcohol to the side for 12 consecutive weeks. And I'm just having a lot of fun in my new for lack of a better term, way of being, Mm -hmm. Um, because transforming is fun. Leaning in and seeing change is fun. And um, yeah, it's it's so much, it's such a better way to live life. I love that. I've never really heard anybody say transforming is fun, but it is. What's fun about it for you? Well, it's a lot of hard work. Don't get me wrong, Mm. but it's kind of like going to the gym, right? Um, You go to the gym and you start and it's blah, 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 (laughs) not fun, not fun. And then you start seeing a little weight loss, some more definition, and then all of a sudden the work gets fun Mm. and you're willing to try harder. And I I guess my journey would be uh, characterized with that comparison. Like at first, it's not so fun, but once you start seeing the changes, it's like an all-in experience. I think that's beautiful. So you said, well, let's back up a little bit. What inspired you to write the book? Um, I don't know if you remember this. Well, let's just back up. I used to be a client of yours, if that wasn't... (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to say that because of, you know, privacy laws but you can say oh yeah yeah yeah. no no i'm totally happy to do that because i think there's a lot of things that can be shared uh about my experience that'll be helpful to your listeners but i think when i was a client i had this calling to write a book but it was more of a a book about relationships because i was suffering through a, a divorce that was really 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 got me in a dark place and um 
I think I, I did a lot of work on that, but it ended up being too painful. And what eventually happened, you know, I kept doing this work with you and others and self-improvement, but there was still this thing missing. And I didn't realize the effect it was having on my life until I put it to the side. But I, I was drinking and my drinking was escalating through my dark period. I think a lot of people use alcohol or drugs to deal with their trauma, mm -hmm. um, which I was doing. So I felt good and positive, but there was this one lasting thing left that I had to deal with that I didn't want to. Um, and then COVID came mm. and I, you know, nothing like fear to put you into action. I was, I was seriously scared. I was going to die. I had bad lungs because I was, an, I'm an ex smoker, although I quit 15 years ago. I was a fairly heavy smoker and I was drinking fairly heavily and drinking suppresses your immune system and it also suppresses your lung function. So those two things I really needed if I wanted to survive COVID. So I quit on my own out of fear, but I ended up going to um, into a coaching program, which I liked. It was just like, oh, put put drinking to the side for 90 consecutive days. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what that could look like because I've never done that. <laughs> like that's a long time. And that's what I did. And then I was just at the end of the 90 days, I'm like, I don't recognize myself, right? And it just made me realize how much alcohol was interfering with my mood, with my self-confidence, um, with my ability to feel loved, which was a big trigger for me. Um, you know, I had lost weight. I developed self-confidence. I would, I would just came out the other side like, wow, why would I want to go back? Because this is a really cool progression. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my story of the the transformation. And then the book came because I think. I ended up working for that coaching program and then um, founding my own or co-founding another program with somebody. And what I saw was people would be successful with that time frame, but then go back. Hmm. And, um, you know, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that is just not staying connected to a community of like-minded people. And um, for me, faith-based and um, the other thing that the coaching program that I coached in um, and, and was the co-founder of, it's a high value program, right? It's for people that can kind of afford a lot, you know, they can afford a big price tag to make their transformation. And, and these are high performing executives and, you know, people that go, uh-oh. Like, and that's what I like to describe it as. Like, drinking is not a problem until one day you go, you know, I need to put this aside. And then you go, uh-oh, this is like a lot harder than I thought. And it's it's scary because the uh-oh sneaks up on you without you knowing it. And, um, but there's a lot of high-performing people in the world that say, uh-oh, and they see, um, they see people um, or they, they see themselves, their productivity is failing. It's interfering with their relationships. It's interfering with their um, mental health. And when I say mental health, it doesn't, it's not meant to be a trigger word. It's just like good mental health is feeling good about yourself. Right? <laughs> but if you're constantly battling why can't I stop? Not today. Not not till after five. Not till the weekends. Not till I I'm with friends, and you're always making these negotiations, and it starts consuming your thoughts, and so it you it's hard to feel like unencumbered in your life when you're negotiating constantly with yourself these thoughts. Um, yeah. So you said that the book walks you through or gives you strategies. 
for 12 weeks. Tell me the mm -hmm. significance of 12 weeks. Well, alcohol is a substance, right? And it affects, um, it affects the dopamine levels in your body. And so there is a time period where your body needs to go into homeostasis. And um, technically, that can be within two weeks. It can be as much as a month, right? And a lot of people um, can do the dry January or Lent or, you know, by strong arming it or, or you know, double fisting it only to look forward to that, that day after, like, yoo-hoo. So challenging somebody to do 12 consecutive weeks is a big task because you go past homeostasis. I mean, your body gets used to everything, right? And then you start finding joy in smaller things and connection and getting up and feeling good and sleeping better. But then at like day 31 or day 41, you're like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that pink cloud effect kind of goes away. And so that second month is about going, okay, look at how much time you've freed up by, um, by putting this to the side. Let's do something with that time. What have you always wished you could do? Uh, what are some self-care practices? Like you weren't taking care of yourself. Do you want to start going to the gym? Do you want to start working on losing weight? Do you want to start playing an instrument, singing? Like usually there's something in the back of somebody's mind where they'd say, I wish I could always, it doesn't matter what your always is, but the encouragement is to start doing it because now you have time, you're sleeping better, your clarity's better. And then you can start, you know, going, oh my gosh, this is fun. And I had always wanted to, I mean, it doesn't matter, bowling, right? It just doesn't matter. It's whatever has been in the back of your mind, like I've always wanted, or it could be a relationship. I've always wanted to put more energy into my relationship. And now I'm not, you know, so many people come out of this and go, oh, my kids, I'm so connected with my kids now. It doesn't matter what it is. I just encourage people to do that, to get rid of, you know, once they're, once that pink, pink cloud goes away <laughs> and they're faced with, well, now what do I do? Because most people are like, well, what do I do with my time? And I'm like, use it to find yourself and what that God-given talent that you were given, you were created for a purpose. It's either to love people or to, you know, just use your talent. And then the, the last kind of third, I would identify as a documentation of your wins and remembering where you came from. It is so easy to forget and to get this confidence. <laughs> like, I got this. I'm just going to try, right? <laughs> so it's just being real and, and solving for cognitive dissonance, as you understand, right? A lot of cognitive dissonance involved in, which is having two competing thoughts about the same subject matter. And so I'm trying to, by documentation, solve for the cognitive dissonance and understand the truth about how this was affecting you and the truth about what you're experiencing now because in week 13 you have a choice to make right and um and the other reason for why 12 weeks really hits on me too is people don't have the capacity to go i need to quit forever that is like such a big whoo like, all I want to do is have people quit for 12 weeks to see what's possible, to see the transformation that can come. And I'm sure that many will choose to drink again, and that's okay. That's part of the process, right? But at least this methodology has provided a container to see what's possible. And then my experience, because I've been doing this for a couple of years, is that people will come back and go, my life was so dang good. <laughs> like, I don't know why I chose that. <laughs> and they'll come back. And that's, that's all it's about. It's just a learning process. We all have our own journey. 
We all have our own steps. And I don't want to judge people for where they are. It's just it's just a container to see what's possible. I, I love that you've given a path and you've walked that path. So there's some hope that people can have that this is possible. And you've also given some steps along the way to help them just take another step towards their transformation. Right, right. And I did, well, I don't know if I, I did when I reached out to you about this, um, want to share, like, I didn't share any of this with you. When I was... No, this is all a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the reason for me, and this is a conversation I'd love to have with you. For me, when I looked at that, and if I had told you that, I felt like the only option you would have given me was AA. And I was was not interested in that. I already had a relationship with God and my, my, and, and I don't, this isn't about downing AA because that saved millions of lives, right? This is just about a different approach and why it didn't work for me. And it pro I probably would have gotten there because I would have had no other choice. And I think that's what happens. But um, I already had a relationship with God. I already had a horrible self-view of myself. So to assign myself a name um, did not feel good. Hi, I'm Roseanne. I'm a... a like, I, I was super resistant to that. And, and so, unfortunately, those things kept me away from a program that may or may not have worked for me, but I couldn't get close enough to that to, you know, to participate with my mental health. And, um, yeah, so that's why I think there's so much shame associated with this particular habit, which I don't understand why. I, another thing I'm trying to address is a change in terminology. Um, just because when people say certain things, you put them in a class, a category over here and you go, oh, you know. So some of the, the terminology I'm trying, and, and not that the terminology wasn't proper, <laughs> But it's become such a stigma, right? So instead of addiction, I say neurological habit, which hopefully you're in line with, right? <laughs> yeah, because it is a habit and there's a, you know, a trigger and action and result. Um, instead of sober, I like to use alcohol free. And instead of al alcoholic, for sure, I'm, I'm into choice. So... You know, um, I think disease, the disease classification is absolutely necessary for those who might need medical intervention. So I don't want to, you know, poo-poo that because that's, that's necessary. But in terms of my situation or the people I'm trying to coach, it's I'm choosing to be alcohol-free. It's the same with my cigarette smoking, right? I wasn't a smokeaholic. I wasn't a cigarette-aholic. I used to smoke. And now I choose not to smoke. Right? <laughs> and I, I kind of try and look at it that, that way and take and have people. There is so much, so much of a benefit to not drinking that I want people to be proud of their choice to be alcohol free, not to raise their hand. And, you know, you see the differentiation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've, I've said it before. Um, that I understand why in the 12 step programs, people identify as hello, my name's so-and-so and I'm an addict of some kind. I understand why they do that. And I understand the um, humility maybe that they're trying to mm -hmm. help the person who's struggling experience with that. At the same time, I tell people that's not who you are. That's a behavior mm -hmm. that you engage in. And so I'm, I don't try to talk them out of using that language if that works for them and it's helping them in their recovery. At the same time, I'm like, you are more than a behavior that 
That's mm-hmm. what you've been doing. That is not who you are. And so I don't get all upset when people use that or even introduce themselves to me and say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic or whatever. I'm like, okay. Inside, though, every time they say it, I'm like, that's, that's not what that's not who you are. That's what you've been doing. Um, and you've been doing that because you've been trying to deal with some pain. You've been using that to deal with some, some painful things that have gone on in your life. And that was what you've used to figure out how to numb that for a while. And now you've realized that isn't working so well and you're trying to do something about it. And so I want to celebrate that. So everything you said, um, I'm right on board with, interestingly enough, about probably 10 years now, maybe six, the American Society of Addiction Medicine diagnosed or defined what addiction is and they identified it's a brain disorder. It is, mm. um, it is our brain is not working the way that it's supposed to have been working or was designed to work. And over time, a person has developed some behaviors that they've been using to deal with the pain in their life. And now there's a neurological network that exists that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. And part of recovery is learning how to create a new neurological network to deal with what was going on with that in the past. And so rather than trying to shame somebody or label somebody, again, I I say in the rooms that that terminology is sacred, but outside of the rooms, that's not who you are. And so if there's another way that somebody has used to find recovery besides the 12 step program, wonderful. If 12 step program right. works. And that's how I feel. Yeah. And there is, I mean, the 12 step program clearly works, right? Mm-hmm. It clearly works for a lot of people. I have a lot of friends in a variety of sectors of it and they are hundred percent all in. So it's like for me, weighing this balance of not like, I know it works, but there's a whole crew of people <laughs> that are seven years to 10 years out from kind of hitting that wall. <laughs> and that's the, per- those are the, you know, that's my audience mm. or, you know, the audience that, I mean, I definitely have coached people who have been in rehab multiple times mm. and um, with this methodology and with my devotional and it, it has worked phenomenally that's beautiful um yeah and so it's anywhere from you know i just like to why yeah it's like why can't i just go weekend without alcohol (laughs) and just give them but that is the other reason that it's 12 weeks to really create a new neurological habit because you have to practice and practice and practice And it's so funny because even on the other side of 12 weeks, what I tell people, like I think of my brain as like a big spider web of neurological habits. And even though I had committed myself to not really wanting to drink in the future, there were a few events that were really weird that created this big urge. And I'm like, where'd that come from? And I'll give you an example, like 14 months in, I had bought a new um, townhome here in Scottsdale. And after I signed the the paperwork, it was like, wow, let's drink, let's celebrate. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And it was such a strong urge. Like, I couldn't even believe it. Like, it was, I didn't know what to do with it. Now, the good news is it because I was 100% all in and committed to a future self, it went away fairly quickly. I'd say a minute, but the minute seemed like 10. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and what I look at it as is like, okay, that pathway just got zapped because the reason it took so long is I hadn't experienced that exhilaration where the old me would have said it's time to have a drink. So I look at every, as an opportunity to zap Mm. (laughs) that pathway and i know when i buy my next place that's not going to happen because i power you know i kind of powered through that minute so yeah Uh, that's a that's an excellent example of that Yeah. yeah that's thank you for sharing that you said 
something about shame a little while ago. What are some of the strategies that you use to combat shame when it shows up, telling you that you're unworthy of love and belonging and there's something seriously wrong with you? What are some of the strategies you use for that? Ooh, yeah. Well, definitely I started that process in your Finding Peace um, series and understanding that the voice <laughs> that I hear is not my voice, yes. right? It's something, <laughs> that's a big, big thing, right? Understanding, like I, even I remember this big breakdown I had in my coaching session when I realized, cause I was super angry and reactive. And, um, and when I took away the substance that kind of went away, and I remember thinking, well, wait, I used to think that was me, mm. right? And I used to beat myself up for that being me, but it wasn't me. It was the, my body wanting that substance, right? And so all the negative self-talk, like I work a lot on positive psychology as well. And that's why kind of the faith-based approach works for me too. It's like, who did God create you to be? Who were you as a child? And oh, I've told you this before, Troy, your podcast and that beginning sequence, when it says it's not about the, it's not about the event. It's about the stories we tell ourselves. <laughs> ding, 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 <laughs> right? That's totally right. right. Um, that is the key. Because I, it's this approach to take away the shame. Let's just say in the program, somebody chooses a drink in the middle of this, and we have a you know a methodology. But I say, okay, let's take the shame out of it because I know you're feeling that. But let's just walk through the events of what happened, of what the thought process was for you to reach for that. And, and so they will identify this whole series of thoughts that led to an action. And they recognize that the thought pattern was lying to them mm -hmm. <laughs> about what it would bring. And so it's, it's a process of awareness, which I never had. I never had it. Mm. And it is a beautiful thing to be aware of your thoughts. And we talk a lot about, like 10% of your brain is the conscious, 90% is subconscious. Your habits are just little loops going on in here and you're fighting with this part, right? <laughs> but the great thing is, you know, I'm going to just go with God's design that God designed this part to look at what's happening over here. Right. Right. And wait, wait a minute. Like, and I'm doing the same work with my eating habits and I recognized, I had no idea. I, I used to say I'm not an emotional eater. But then when I started looking at what I was doing, I realized that every time I've done a task, I go to the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not hungry. I am just, that's my break. Refrigerator. And so not once I'm aware of it, I can change it. And that, you know, it's the same thing about, well, Troy, you're the master of this, right? So you can speak to this, but grabbing, why are you grabbing the drink, mm -hmm. right? Let's look at it. I want to check out. I want to have fun. I want to fit in. I want to solve for stress, right? We, we really look at what, why are you grabbing it and what other strategies can we use so we can change that habit loop? It, oh. it reminds me Sound of a, familiar. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it reminds me of a picture I just saw the other day on social media. Somebody had taped a handwritten note in the fridge that says, you're not hungry, you're bored. So go find something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true because the thing is, I had a physiological response, right? Mm -hmm. my, my body really felt hungry and I was, but then I found when I did exactly what you just said your client did, <laughs> um, that I could 
complete. I wasn't hungry. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a break strategy. And, you know, I still work with that. I'm still, it's, it's different. It's a different process because we have to eat. Right? right. And I'm, but it's fun. Like I said, it's fun investigating That is, and seeing what that, that, uh, that subconscious operating system is doing because you trained it so well. <laughs> right. And becoming curious rather than yeah. judgmental or shame-based. It's like, let me be curious about what's happening here. What's re- what's underneath the surface? Let me be patient and and sit with it for a minute. And so many revelations come from that curiosity. Right. Well, and then the thing is, um, yeah, my coach Kevin. Um, when I first went through the program, I thought it was interesting. He's like, "So you want a drink? Just go. Hmm, that's interesting." <laughs> That was a Kevinism, like, hmm, that's interesting. And, and and now I get it. Like, I see it so clearly. That is interesting. Like, when I had that drink, wanted that drink 14 months later, mm-hmm. it was, I had trained myself that a huge celebratory response for something that big deserved alcohol. And I, you know, I turned it off quickly, but... And I was able to go, hmm, that's interesting. I just zapped that. And I I, I also had uh, another thing in maybe six months. So it was weird. It was, I had, my backyard used to be a trigger because I had a oasis of people that could, you know, party back there. But it was my backyard wasn't a trigger anymore. These friends weren't a trigger. I was having them over. They were drinking. I was serving them gin and tonic and there there it was this strong urge again right and again my mind is set on i don't need to drink but why is this coming up and i had to do the that's interesting what's going on and what was going on was gin and tonic (laughs) i had never been in the presence of somebody pouring a gin and tonic which i used to like right so got through it again, a couple of minutes later, got through it. I've been around gin and tonics so much since then, and it's I've never had that happen again. So I love that thought about just zapping, 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 just keep at it, zap, 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 so that the triggers don't come. I go to happy hours. I don't care if my friends drink. I, you know, that's their choice. Everybody has their own path. And that's what we want, right? I went to Europe. I didn't even think that would be possible to go to Europe and not drink. I was in a um, an English pub. It was it was fine, and I just didn't even think that was possible. But that is because of reprogramming. And part of what so. I've heard you say is that you chose you were choosing you over yeah. alcohol. Um, somebody once told me. Choose- yeah, somebody once Go told ahead. me that when you love yourself enough, the maladaptive behaviors don't work anymore. You don't want to do them anymore because you've learned how to love yourself enough to do something different. And that's what I'm hearing from you is I'm, mm-hmm. I chose me. I chose me over the alcohol. Yeah, and that's, that is it. And um, it takes that commitment. And I, I do want to, because people are listening at, I know, especially if they're your clients, and that's why I wanted to say, I used to be a client, <laughs> and Troy is amazing. Thank he you. did great work with me. Thank you. Um, uh, he, but there were times, and a lot of them, that I, because I'm faith-based, I would never do self-harm, but I certainly used to pray to God to take me off the planet. So I do want to talk about the massive... <laughs> transformation that this truly is i mean to go from god please i'm i'm pretty much done here to writing a book helping people influencing others knowing i have purpose it's you know and i i believe everybody has that in everybody everybody without any exception it is quite the transformation and it's beautiful to see Thank you. Yeah, I have a picture. Is this going to be shown anywhere? No, they won't. They won't see no. you. But um, if you send me the picture, I can upload it as part of the podcast. So the before and after. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a. I have, and just to give it relevance, it was. Um, 
it was a picture of me as I was going through my separation and divorce, celebrating my birthday. I had a, a hat on. I was out with a bunch of friends. And the weight differential is is huge, right? But really what I want people to focus on is the smile. I was just showing my teeth. Mm-hmm. You know how you can tell when people smiles when there's true inner joy? And there is such a lack of inner joy in that human being. And so I don't use it a whole lot, but I should in my marketing because <laughs> it is, it's a big deal. Yeah. And you can see a big deal, right? I totally can. Didn't I, didn't I cry like every day during your <laughs> retreat and every session? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the light Good. coming from you is brilliant. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel, I feel it. And that's what energizes me to continue on to, it, it used to be if somebody rolled their eyes at me, I would crumble. What, what wound is that? Rejection. Troy? Rejection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have learned, especially in light of what I'm doing, that I, I really prepared myself for it. And I've, I've been told by marketers, like, if somebody is not trying to slam you or like stab you, you're not doing a good enough job. So I am preparing myself <laughs> for, <laughs> for a lot of, you know, adversity. And I'm just not going to allow that to affect me and what I'm doing anymore. And I'm just, yeah. Good. So. I honor that. Well, as you know, because you've listened to the podcast before, at the end of each interview, I ask some some self-inquiry questions to get to know you a little bit better. So are you ready for that? Maybe. All right. They're not hard. We'll give it a shot. I'm, I'm a pretty open book, so I should be ready. All right. What's one thing about you, Roseanne, that surprises people? that I used to pray to die. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, because people on the out, people always, I, I used to be a very successful like executive kind of dealing with wall street and very wealthy people. And so everybody would go, I don't see it. Like they didn't, you, you're one thing on the outside. It was one thing with you. And then I was a mess inside. Mm -hmm. I hated myself. I felt unlovable. And so I think that surprises people because I have this strong outer, like get things done, a personality type thing, but the inner chatter, which I now understand as a coach, (laughs) it's pretty universal. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk about it, the judge. Right. Um, and that's what I thought, actually, that was one of the most beautiful things at the conference too, is something you did that I experienced knowing that everybody has this horrible inner critic and, um, yeah, we shouldn't be listening to it because it doesn't help us. It doesn't at all. Hold on. We've all faced a major decision in our lives that has resulted in us choosing to take a left turn instead of going right whenever one expected us to take the right turn. When were you faced with such a dilemma and how did it work out for you? Taking a left turn, meaning I chose wrongly? No, um, everybody thought you should choose right and you chose the left. You went the road less traveled by. That's a hard one. I have maybe a lot of those. Um, It's hard because in my marriage, um, I always used to want to stay married. Mm -hmm. um, Yet I separated to try and get myself, you know, because I knew psychologically I was um, not doing well. And I needed to turn left instead of, you know, my heart was committed to the marriage. Um, while I, I still breaks my heart, I know it was, it was the right course of action for me because I'm here today. 
term. It's yeah. a beautiful example. Thank you. What book are you reading right now? Oh, where is it? It's called Are You Really Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I like it only because she's, um, she's a Christian author and she's kind of just solidifying a lot of the same things that I teach and it's just trying to keep up with, um, you know, super smart people that are, and her point is, you know, because it's important to know how you're doing and how it affects you. Mm. Right? <laughs> and that's the thing is understanding how it affects the stress, how it affected me physically, how most of, um, disease is created by stress in our bodies. So I've really developed some personal strategies to identify like, Oh, there it is. There's that judge coming in or that person that said a wrong thing. And I just really, what I say, capture that thought and move in a different direction. So yeah. Are you really okay? And I do think that it's, it's a great question to ask. It's one of those curious questions yeah because we all try nobody knows it better than you mm-hmm. <laughs> present the how are you troy i'm great that's right <laughs> <laughs> when have you felt the most alive right now mm, that's an awesome yeah. answer yeah i i i used to and I just will share this, even though I hate to. Um, at 63 years old, <laughs> I thought I was pretty washed up and useless. Mm. And now, like I used to be a financial and administrative person with really a deep desire to always, I, I used to say, I wish I had done had a um, psychology degree I really could have so when you talk about your deep desires of um, you know what you wanted to be I had always wished I had but I'm just too old to go back to school I'm sorry it's okay but then to use the coaching and to use people like you to learn from and like I'm smart enough to learn from people like my thing is like here's where science God and um, my personal experience all collided. (laughs) And so I'll go, look here, look here, look here. Like, okay, this makes total sense, right? And um, now my world used to be getting smaller, 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 smaller. And now my world is getting bigger, 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 bigger. I I don't want anybody to get in the way of what is possible. Mm. Well said. If you were going to spend the rest of your life on an island and could only bring one object of personal significance, what would it be? Um, can I say audible? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Audiobook. <laughs> yeah, um, because that's my, le- you know, even if I'm exercising, I can always be learning. I used to, when I drank, the amount of TV I watched was obscene. Mm. And now I don't even know. I have four TVs in my house. I have one in front of me in my office. I have one upstairs in my bedroom. I have one in the living room. And I have one outside. And I never get turned on. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I know. Because I, you know, I'm always busy thinking, reading, listening, learning. and yeah. I love that. Name a person or a teaching that has had a profoundly positive impact on your life. You know, the person that that most comes to mind for me is Martin Luther King. (laughs) You know, um, he is my absolute idol because of the adversity that he um, had to deal with, yet he just, and and that's how I feel like, straight on the vision, march forward on the vision, regardless of the adversity. 
And so that man is absolutely my hero. He's a good one. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. There's a, there's a bunch of people, but he rises to the top pretty quickly. <laughs> what is a daily practice you must do every day? Um, for me, it's, well, I have, can I, it's a series of things and my life kind of falls apart if I don't. And that's one of the te- things I teach too. Um, daily gratitude. Um, I read the Bible. I, um, I exercise uh, until I broke my back this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and I really did. I really did fracture I'm my so back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so I uh, am making my bed. So when I started um, my alcohol-free journey, it was putting into practice these morning routines. And of course, if we drink too much and we wake up feeling bad about ourselves and I, my bed was never made, um, I didn't exercise, it did, you know, felt terrible about ourselves. And then when I started bringing, and I literally have a list check 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 and um and i developed the attitude and this is what we teach too and and the journal and the program i get to i get to and even though i didn't feel like i got to walk every morning and i got to make my bed every morning at first after a week or two i did it without thinking like oh my bed got made i didn't I didn't remember how I did it, right? And I got to walk because I felt so good after it, right? So I tell people that even if you don't feel it, remember that what you're doing is a get to. I don't have to exercise. I get to exercise, right? And making things like making your bed, make like a, you know, a neat environment, which clears your mind you know, uh, grounding yourself in, in God is a great daily practice, making sure that your mind looks for evidence of gratitude. Because look, well, let's just use this weekend. I, I literally did slip, fall and fractured my back and ended up in the hospital in an ambulance. And I am simply stunned <laughs> at how I'm handling this. Because the old me would not have handled this well. And I'm just like, well, it's just life. It happened. I have to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. and I'm going to move on and keep doing my stuff. Right. That was not in Roseanne's vocabulary before. Mm. And now so. here you are sitting in a chair talking with me. <laughs> with my walker right here. See? Hey, that walker. works. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for tools like that. Yeah. What's one question that, I didn't ask that you wish that I would have, and how would you have answered it? <sighs> I think I answered most of the things. I, you know, one of the things that I I want to make sure that you and I get to because I know you're very sensitive about the client confidentiality thing, and I'm giving you permission to blow it wide open because. I'm not ashamed of my past or whatever. So if you want to use a question that you learned about me to ask, because I really did want this to be interactive. You have a broad base of clients that probably look just like me. You're trauma focused. Um, you know, the, you're, you're addiction focused, right? And, I want to give people like maybe from a therapist's point of view, if you want to ask me a question, feel free. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I I give you full permission right here. Now, no, no caveats, no nothing. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just excited about how you've taken part of what I taught you and used other things that you learned from other people and, incorporated that into what you're doing now to help people. That's exactly what I would hope for, for all of my clients is that they learn and grow and they take the good that I offer and leave the stuff I don't and continue to use that with other things to live a life of joy and peace and prosperity. So that makes me excited. 
Yeah, and I do want to tell people it's a journey. It, it, you know, it took years for us to get to this place and years of filling our subconscious mind with some certain thoughts. And although I wanted it to be done, like in a day, make it stop, it really is a journey. But every, it's again, like the gym, the more you go, the more you see the evidence of the progress. Well said. What does finding peace mean for you? It's everything, right? It's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's going from a mind that is obsessed with chatter that is destructive to cleaning house and knowing that no matter what happens, you can navigate it, take hold of it, analyze it, find a way to move forward. That is ultimate peace um, to me. Was that, it was was that the Troy led answer? No, that <laughs> was then your answer. The Troy taught answer. <laughs> that was a beautiful answer. That was yours. And I thought it was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people find you, Roseanne? Well, I have my book, um, The Plans He Has for Me, and that is on Amazon. And um, I don't know when you're going to post this. So uh, the the podcast in the first five days is 99 cents, but then, you know, Kindle version. Um, But uh, if you want to know more about my process, um, there's a lot of information on my website, which is www.theplans, plural, he has for me.com. I can't wait to go check it out. I've already bought the book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet because I also read everything on Audible lately. That's how I do things. So. Well, that isn't an Audible book, unfortunately. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I haven't read it yet. <laughs> yeah, but you can take a day at a time, a day in the middle, a day, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I am I look forward, actually, to talking to you about it when, when you do get to I, read it. I will. Thank you so much for being with me today. I, I do Thank hope you you're, for having me, huh? Oh, I was going to say, especially since you just broke your back over the weekend, it really is wonderful <laughs> that you're here this week. Thank you so much for making it. Yeah, I appreciate being here, Troy. I appreciate listening to you um, all the time. And just you have so much wisdom to offer. And I know I, I have... Um, recommended people to you and uh without ever you know people come back to me and go oh my gosh she's amazing i'm Mm. like i know i told you i only recommend amazing people (laughs) so well thank you and i'm gonna (laughs) know where to send people when they're struggling with alcohol so you got that right Thank you, Troy. Well, I hope you heal quickly and have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Troy. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you love the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to findingpeaceconsulting.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace five-day challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It really does help other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And a special thanks to Johnny Porter for producing the show and A.G. Flux for the new background music. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.